0: Babs, this shit crazy. Jimmy on the well, hello. This is the Trophy Room, aka Trophy Room Radio. Congratulations, folks. We made it to Wednesday, halfway to Friday. We got Thursday night football tomorrow. We got Alabama, Georgia this weekend. We got LSU, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Tennessee this weekend, and LSU, Alabama. So, so much football to look forward to. Okay, coming up. Why do I love the Dolphins? Who got way too much love in the playoff rankings last night? And there's one NFL team who needs to be gone. NFL quarterback who needs to be gone for the sake of his team. As y'all know, we are sponsored by the good people over at Jim Candy Gummies. So go head over to Jim As well as their socials on Instagram and TikTok. Go and test out the park, the product that is revolutionizing the pre-workout market. Sorry, y'all. I'm a little fuzzled this morning because. I've recently found that the only time for me to record and get this boy done, and get this boy out for the boys, for you guys, is literally waking up early on, on a Wednesday morning because I work Tuesday nights. I also work a lot of Friday nights now, and in addition to working all of BYU's football games, I found out that I'm now working all of BYU's men's basketball home games. So a little bit crazy of a schedule, my writing's not the best in the morning. My brain's not the best in the morning, but we got a glass of water. We're sitting in bed. I got this dope set up where I can hook the microphone, uh, my stand up to the frame of my bed. So we got it rock and rolling this morning. Like, bear with me if we're a little fuzzy. All right, so here's the first thing that needs to be addressed. If you don't know, which, I don't know how they snuck all of it past us. Because I had no idea that the college football playoff rankings were this morning. I don't know if y'all did, but I had no idea. Or not this morning, but last night. I didn't realize it was that early. I thought we still had to wait a little bit, but I guess it is always the first week of November. So if you want the highlights, here you go. Tennessee's won. Tennessee's won. Ohio State's 2, Georgia's 3, Clemson is 4. That's right. You heard me right. Clemson is 4. And then Michigan's 5, Bama's 6, TCU 7, Oregon 8, SC 9, and LSU 10. Which LSU 10 makes it interesting because you have a 6-2 and two LSU team who I feel like people who haven't watched LSU's games, who probably only watched the Florida State game and the Tennessee game. And look, they got run out of the building during the Tennessee game. But that makes it an interesting matchup because you have number 10 LSU playing number uh, six Alabama. But I think we can all agree the disparity is a little bit more than that. What makes it interesting is those two teams will match up on Saturday and the way the SEC West would shake out because Ole Miss... Still, as at eight and one, the SEC West standings are super tight right now, and basically, yeah. So there's a three-way tie for first between Alabama, LSU, and Mississippi. If Al- whoever wins between Alabama and LSU will essentially knock the other one out, and then I believe Alabama would go if Ole Miss wins out because or yeah, because they would have a tie there. That just makes those things interesting. What people are freaking out about is the fact that Clemson's at four, and I and I agree with you. And I almost I'm also freaking out that Michigan's at five because let's look at Michigan's football schedule real quick. It features absolutely no one, and their team got worse this year. Okay. First game, Colorado State. Second game, Hawaii. Third game, Connecticut. you got to be kidding me. Your third conference game, you're three, your three games into the season, and you're playing Connecticut, an FCS school. And then your next game is Maryland, who actually played you really close. Iowa also played you really close. Indiana is Indiana. Penn State got shellapped, and then Michigan State kept that game close for a long time. It's a rivalry game. I give everybody, I think people people want to go to Auburn or to Florida when you look at Georgia and say, oh, well, you play these teams close? Rivalry games, I think everybody gets a pass because to me in a rivalry game, Ohio State can be number one and Michigan can be 0-10 and that game will still be close just because you get amped up when you have a rivalry game. So I'm not hating on Michigan at all for what happened. I'm just saying you got to get it up a little bit when you play a bunch of these other teams because so far you have no one on your schedule who's ranked except for Penn State. No one on your record. And then they'll play, obviously, Ohio State and then Illinois in the next couple of weeks. So not really sure what, what, what the committee has seen from Michigan to show that they need to be in number five, but the one that makes even less sense to me is Clemson. Clemson showed us last year that DJ Uyangalele is average at quarterback at best, and the, the thing that makes it look bad is when you come out of a five star quarterback and one of the best quarterbacks in your class. And then you're not super handling business. And look, they do have three ranked wins. But if you're gonna be the number five team, against a number 21 team, a number 20 team. So all the teams that you're playing are in 20 to 25. To me, 20 to unranked, all the same. You're all conglomerate. You're all in one group. And they've played, they've given up a lot of points with a really good defense. And again, Clemson lost people in the same way that Michigan did. And your quarterback's worse. Cade Kluvnik, I think, is the backup. saying. He looked good. He didn't look awful last week against Syracuse. But DJ got benched. Your starting quarterback gets benched against Syracuse. And I get that Syracuse is better than what they've been in the past, but I don't understand how you're going to justify putting Clemson at five when they've had more than enough scares. And they're probably going to play another close one with Notre Dame, another close one with Louisville. Probably every game they play the rest of the season is going to be close, except for maybe South Carolina. When you have teams that have absolutely handled business with teams they should have handled business with, like, I wouldn't have been mad. I get that the Big 12 hasn't showed up in the playoffs as of late, a la Oklahoma. But TCU, 8-0, and TCU has handled business every single place that they've been. And then, oh, yeah. They've shown the ability to play from behind. They've shown the ability to put up a ton of points. They've shown the ability to get after the quarterback. And to me, it's different because I think that Clemson is not exceeding expectations where TCU is exceeding expectations. 38 points their first game. 59 points their second game. 42 points, 55, 38, 43, 38, 41. So the lowest they've scored all season is 38. Now, they've given up quite a few points. Yeah. They've given up quite a few points to some good offenses, though. They held Oklahoma to 24, who's been spinning the football on a lot of people. I understand Oklahoma's not what they have been in the past, but that's mostly because their defense is cheeks, which I find really interesting because you hired a defensive head coach and Brent Venables, but explain that one to me in the multiverse. TCU has handled business and Again, the minimum of points they put up is 38. No one's handled their offense. No one. Michigan's had a 27-point game. Clemson had 27-point game. So, they've handled business everywhere they've gone, and no one has ever been able to stop them offensively. So, I think TCU could get in. I also like Oregon more than I like uh, Clemson. Clemson just... I know you're going to look at their games and say them, the schedule is not what I've made it out to be. But you really have to go back and watch. Like, the eye test with Clemson does it justice more than the stats or the record does. I do think it's unfortunate. TCU may need to be a little bit worried. Because for them to do what they've done and only be at seven... When Michigan and Clemson, to me, have done less, Michigan has done way less. Michigan hasn't done anything this season. And I do think Michigan's a good football team. But if we're going to say that Oklahoma and the entire Pac-12 deserve probation and deserve backlash for getting absolutely blown out of the entire playoffs, then I think Michigan deserves some apprehension as well. because. They got absolutely worked by Georgia. Worked. And I get that they're the national champs. But you claim to be just as good by beating Ohio State. And then your team went ahead and got worse. You lost a ton of guys in the NFL. You lost both your pass rushers. You lost your safety in Dax Hill. You lost um, Hassan Haskins lost receivers you had a quarterback controversy this team didn't get better so to put them at number five for not playing anyone I think is completely irresponsible and I don't think we know who Michigan is yet I actually do think Michigan is good number five off of not playing anyone especially when you're going to say because you got to understand what the committee values right you're going to say that Georgia doesn't deserve to keep their number one spot because they haven't played as many people. Well, then to me, Michigan doesn't deserve to be number five because Alabama, their loss came to, again, a rivalry game. And we know what Alabama is. We know what T- TCU has shown everything that they're supposed to show. So is Oregon. I see the defense is terrible. LSU, you have two losses. I get it. Ole Miss only has one loss, and it's Alabama. I don't completely understand what the committee is trying to tell you that they value because some games, some teams are telling you we value strength of record. Some teams they are telling you we don't care about the eye test. I just I'm not totally understanding what playoff committee is doing here. But I do think it's very interesting. The weekend that we have ahead, let's just I'm just going to break down Tennessee Georgia for one minute. Not a whole lot because I don't want to jinx it too much. and I, And I just want to go in and have fun. Because our number one fan, Mikey Lard, is a huge Tennessee fan. This is all I'll say. I think this game finishes... in the 30s. So Tennessee, if you look... is is 40th in the country in yards per play. The Georgia offense is better than it was last year. Now... Tennessee defense is wildly better than it was last year. Right now, Georgia is a nine or 8-point favorite. I apologize. Georgia is an 8-point favorite. The over-under is 66. So that's about where I said it was. I said it would be in the 30-point range. This game is 130 on Saturday on CBS. you got to love that it's the SEC on CBS games because those are a classic, like, if you, know, if you know, you know. If you understand the, the nostalgia of the CBS Classic games, the CBS 330 Eastern games, then you get it. And that's what it's going to be for to- Georgia-Tennessee, which is probably going to end up as the biggest game of the season. And whoever wins this game controls the SEC East. And it's interesting because not even typically – but ninety-nine percent of the time, teams that play twice in a season don't sweep both games. Georgia, Alabama last year. It'd be interesting to see Georgia or Tennessee and Alabama run it back. So, so, elephant in the room is that Georgia has to win this game. I know there's a lot of people saying, "Oh, well, the SEC can get three teams in. That's not happening." Georgia has to win this game because if they don't win this game, they no longer control their destiny to go to the SEC title game. If they don't win the SEC title game or at least compete in it, I don't think there's any way they can make it to the playoffs. It would be interesting though, to see Tennessee run it back with Alabama and for Alabama to win that game, and then see what the committee decides to do. Who knows? Very interesting what we have going on in the uh, in college football here. I do want to touch on this for a second. I feel like usually we don't do things that are that serious here, but I. I'm a firm believer in equality. Firm believer in equality. And I hate when... Two people play the same stupid games and don't win the same stupid prizes. Because I'm really not into cancel culture. Really not. However, I'm into equality. Kyrie does not get to get off scot-free... Because of his religious choice. Because it's something that's a-white. And what I don't understand is how Kanye gets not only canceled, but borderline publicly blacklisted. Loses millions and millions of dollars for what he said. And for what I would argue is not as bad as what Kyrie said. And then Kyrie gets to walk around untouched. So if you're not aware, Kyrie Irving spent this last weekend promoting an anti-Semitic film. Look, it's one thing for us, to top, for us to go back, look into your social media history five-plus years ago and find out you watched the film. I don't really have an issue there. There's a statute of limitations in our justice system for a reason. But it's a whole separate thing for you when you defend the film on social media and then spend an entire postgame presser acting in an incredibly rude and dismissive fashion being asked about it. All right, so let's get you caught up in case you're wondering if I'm being soft throwing around the term anti-Semitic. So the movie claims, among other things, that the Jews stole the religion and the idea of being God's chosen people from black people and then flipped the script and made life awful for them. It is, quote, defending it in the press conference is where the ignorance, and to me the anti-Semitism ramps up even more. Like, the anti-Semitism is not only from a movie that he supported, but is now from the personal idiocy library of Kyrie Irving so he said quote um, not quote but he went home after a game one time was on Amazon Prime sitting there on his phone wanted to watch a documentary and then he said quote I'm all over the place when it comes to you know really elevating my consciousness because I didn't get it in school all I did was get seven hours a day being indoctrinated and brainwashed on a history that doesn't belong to me or my ancestors Well, that part might be true, but that's for a whole separate reason. So that day, particularly, I went home and I was on Google. Of course, people love that search engine. I wasn't looking for any anti-Semitic stuff or anything specifically on any race or people. I looked up my name and what it means, and it's a title given to Christ. Philippians 2.11. My name translates into Hebrew language as, and I don't even like saying it. Because I know people from the Middle East, I know Israelites, like I know Jews, and I know they don't appreciate this word of God being used because they feel that it's very sacred, very holy. So I'm not going to use it out of respect to them. So he said that his name translates into Hebrew language as that. So he went on to Amazon Prime. This quote. I was like, you know what? Let me see if there are any documentaries on. So I went in the search bar, typed in, and that came up. Went out, shared it on my platform. That was my night. So it's one thing if this happens and you're a successful basketball player and. You're winning basketball games. You're doing all the right things, hitting on all cylinders. It's a whole other thing to do this if you're Kyrie Irving, the Brooklyn Nets. This is typical NBA, though. Silent on serious issues because they don't want to receive backlash for punishing social justice. And look, again, I don't root for cancel culture either. I really don't. I hate this idea. But if you're going to cancel all of these other people. Then why does Kyrie get to walk around and completely degrade an entire race of people? Isn't that what we've termed as racism? Isn't anti-Semitism just racism? But the word is specifically targeted toward Jews. Kyrie is incredibly ignorant on Judaism, first of all. And second of all, He doesn't get to walk around and say and do whatever he wants. But this is what happens when you let kids run the house. Parents exist for a plethora of reasons. If you have kids, you understand that. This is one of them. Because sometimes 30-year-olds still act like immature children. I thought about doing two separate next segments. But Kyrie's example is a perfect example. Because Katie has the same issue. Not that he's anti-Semite, but... You let Kyrie initially build this team, the last guy on this round earth that should have been carrying your flag, and then him and KD got together. The two NBA players in the last 20 years that are prime examples of what it looks like to be carried to a title and never get back to one on your own. And then you put them together. It's it's time to blow this thing up. I mean, blow it to King to come. Take pennies on the dollar for whoever's willing to trade for them. And if that doesn't work, then drop them for whatever the cap it is. It doesn't even matter. Like we all have a crazy ex, I do, you do, we all do. The half intelligent people in the world don't marry their crazy ex. The Nets need to be smarter than the half intelligent, just as smart as the half intelligent people. Don't marry the crazy ex. It doesn't ever, ever, ever work out. And right now, the just not a notification, the Nets are not looking to trade KD. Which I just don't think that you can keep this team with the... The culture is not going to disappear until you get rid of the origination of the culture, which was Kyrie and KD. And Kyrie has... To say he's gone off the wall, off the rails, that's an understatement. Kyrie Irving is so far gone, it's not even funny. We should have understood it when the Flat Earth thing came out. We should understand it even more now. And hiring Ime Udoka is just the final flame on top of the absolute dumpster fire that is the Brooklyn Nets and also hiring, you know, is a terrible idea because what does Kevin Durant love more than anything? It's, it's power and not even power, but the, the image of power. KD wants everyone to see him having power. He doesn't just care about having it. and, Frankly, KD and Aaron Rodgers are too eerily similar. But KD does not care about elevating your franchise. He doesn't care about being one of the greatest of all time. And it's sad. But the Nets will not change until the culture changes. And bringing in Eme Udoka, another guy that KD can just do whatever he wants and, you know, and the, the coach, the establishment won't do anything about it. All that's going to do is create more. Disintegration within your organization. Katie and Kyrie like need to be gone if the Nets want to have, it needs to be gone, 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 and make them somebody else's problem. But this team will never win basketball games with Kyrie and Katie at the helm. I know people, I've talked people yesterday, and they're like, well, you just can't count out Katie or, or Kyrie or this team together. I'm like, no, you can't. Because toxic culture can ruin an entire environment. And that's what it's doing in Brooklyn. All right. So there's that. Um, let's, let's, let's keep up the, let's keep it moving with toxic culture and just what are the Packers doing and how much is Aaron Rodgers to blame so there's a lot of people who are upset because Aaron Rodgers, well, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers did not make, they were basically the lone wolf at the table. Only ones to not make a move at the trade deadline. They gave Aaron no help. Which, if you pay attention to to football, it should be nothing new to you. They haven't given help to Aaron Rodgers since before the Jordan Love trade. And I don't know if there's enough information to go on a conspiracy theory rabbit hole. And I'm not going to. But I do find it interesting that the Packers are in no interest to give Aaron Rodgers help. Now, I think part of that is they can't convince free agents to come to, to Green Bay. Because why would you want to go leave New York or L.A. or Miami to go to Green Bay? That's the first thing. The second thing is it's hard enough to convince them to come to that middle of the nowhere hole in the wall when it's freezing cold all the time, it's a whole other, and they don't even have a dome, they play outside, and, and congrats to being from Wisconsin. You, you're one of the tougher individuals. Doesn't mean that people who come in from Miami, LA, Texas, a lot of where these kids are from, doesn't mean they wanna go play in the cold with no dome. It's hard enough to get them to wanna come there. It's another thing. To convince guys to want to play with Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams left. And Devontae Adams is a perfect example of. My mom says. If you have nothing nice to say. Don't say anything at all. Guys don't want to play with Aaron Rodgers. There are certain ladder steps. That you have to hit in order to be successful. You don't get to choose. Which which steps you want to take. To be the go. You have to treat people decently. Away and enough that they want to compete with you because that's the biggest issue that Packers are having right now is nobody wants to come play with Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is as much to blame as the rest. Look, I don't think the, the answer, the solution when you're having disagreements with your wife or whoever you're in a relationship with, the answer is never to sling mud especially on both sides. If one side's doing it, the answer is not to be like a child and just go back with it. And I think that's kind of what the Packers are doing. It feels like they're like, well, you know what, Aaron, if you're going to publicly come out and trash the coaches, trash your receivers and trash the front office, and you're going to be that arrogant, then what incentive do we have to help you? None. It kind of feels like the front office hates Aaron Rodgers. And the other thing is, dude, Aaron, Aaron, Quarterback dependence is not what it used to be. All these organizations have been able to get to a Super Bowl. I, I last week it was last week or two weeks ago. We talked about the conference championships where you had Case Keenum, Blake Bortles, and Nick Foles all participating. Look, if you have a good enough team, you can get to a Super Bowl without a great quarterback. Nick Foles been to a quarterback. Nick, this is the list of the guys to attend the Super Bowl since Aaron Rodgers has just a list. Nick Foles has been to one. Yeah, and even if we expand that to the conference title, and then you add Blake Wardles and Case Keenum, all of whom have been to a, a conference championship. But as far as Super Bowls, again, Nick Foles has been to one, and Jared Goff has been to one, Patrick Mahomes, before we knew Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes has been to one, Jimmy G has been to one, and the list is longer than that, but here's the thing, dude, I think Aaron Rodgers thinks that he's the hottest commodity on the market, and that everyone needs him, and Aaron, look, I get that the Packers need you, because without you, they have to go back to being single again, and even when you're dating someone toxic, going back to being single is not always the most fun, because sometimes it's fun to just have somebody, and if you have to go to from having somebody to not having somebody, that sucks, what it's worth than being in a toxic relationship. And Aaron Rodgers is very delusional on what he thinks his market is, because while he is probably one of the greatest passers of the football of all time, people can get Super Bowls without him, and people are getting Super Bowls without him. Um, Speaking of people who are playing incredibly well in spite of their quarterback for keeping on the same vein, there's a lot of discussion around the NFL and around the media should Zach Wilson be benched? And I gave y'all for the tease of it at the top of the show. You know how I feel. It's one thing to win football games with a guy like a Case Keenum, with a guy like a Kirk Cousins, with a guy like a Sam Bradford, who funny enough all played for the Vikings and now just realizing. 49ers are winning with Jimmy G. You can win with a mediocre quarterback in this league if your defense is good enough and your offensive weapons are also good enough. You you do realize on the regular season, Zach Wilson has never no game. He doesn't have a game where he has more touchdowns than interceptions. Because there's a lot of guys who said... Oh, well, you realize there was a stretch of four, three games where he didn't throw an interception. Yeah, he also didn't throw a touchdown in any of those games. Scored a touchdown, scored two touchdowns against the Patriots, threw for three interceptions. And then the Steelers, three touchdown pass, two interceptions. Zach Wilson, look, there are people in this world who feel that consequences do not apply to them. They believe, because their social situation growing up has made it that way for them, that they believe they can make whatever choice they want, and the consequences don't apply. Zach Wilson's a great example of this. Zach Wilson's entire life, he's been coddled. I'm not kidding when I say to you. Here's probably the two hardest things to ever happen to Zach Wilson in his entire life. One, his mom went viral for being hot. Which, again, I'm still – the jury is still out on. I'm not sure about that one. And the second hardest thing that's ever happened to him, his Jeep broke down one time. And I say that as a legitimate joke. We have this program at BYU called Deep Blue where we basically make many uh, 10, 15-minute documentaries about different stories about um, former BYU athletes, people who work in the athletic department. And, like, the hardest thing that ever to ever happen, Zach Wilson – they usually do them about like big events in their life, and they talk to Zach Wilson about his cheap, Because Zach has never had anything difficult happen to him his entire life, and anytime anything bad did happen, it was somebody else's fault. And Zach Wilson's the same way here. I mean, when he got to BYU, he got the job pretty easy. He didn't have to work for it. Jaron Hall got injured. And he ran around and everyone worshiped him like a god and just like he was in high school. Zach Wilson doesn't believe the consequences apply to him. And the funny thing is, and I don't know if people aren't talking about this, I think people are just ignoring the Jets because they assume because Zach Wilson is playing bad that the Jets are playing bad. That's not true. The Jets are five and two. And 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 I think people are still acting like The New York Jets are bad. They're not. They're actually good. The defense is probably a top five defense in the entire league. They're a very good football team. And they're playing incredibly well in spite of Zach Wilson. Robert Sala deserves to be coach of the year. Joe Flacco. Touchdown-interception ratio this season in three games that he played was 5-3. He had a game right through for four, he had a game right through for 1-1, one and, one, and a game right through for two interceptions and no touchdowns. Still better than Zach Wilson. I think this team is better off with Joe Flacco than it is with Zach Wilson. I get that Zach's athletic, but again, one of the things that they talked about Zach Wilson coming into the NFL was they, Zach believed he could just run around and do whatever he wanted with no consequences, that he played that he felt he played better in chaos. It's not how it's working. The the New York Jets are a good football team, one of the best defenses in the league, and they're winning in spite of Zach Wilson. So pay attention because the narrative doesn't reflect the actual record. I do gotta say though Doesn't the NFL feel a little backwards right now? Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers playing at a wildly low level. Both of them. For different reasons. I don't know what Aaron Rodgers' excuse is, but Tom Brady's going through a divorce. The Seahawks are really good, Andy. Let's give the Seahawks their love. Like, the Seahawks are America's team right now. At least they should be. Because they're handling, handling, not just when, they're handling this breakup with, with Russell Wilson. Which I think is dope. Because, Russell Wilson is probably losing the breakup more than the, the Seahawks are winning it. But, look, Geno Smith is like comeback player of the year right now. The Seahawks are playing great football. One of the biggest gripes with Russell Wilson when he was in Seattle is that he statistically held on to the football longer than anyone else, which is why he was sacked probably more than anyone else. They're do- and, and they're down a couple running backs, I think. They're doing a great job running the football. Kenneth Walker... They hit on, like, their top five draft picks. They have uh, Tariq Woolley and Kobe Bryant, who are both playing incredible. Like, the defense is locked down, which is a step up from the last couple years. If you would have told me this was going to be the year that the Seahawks were going to be successful, they were going to lose Russell Wilson. They were going to have to draft a bunch of new guys and start those rookies. I would have said, well, Seattle's record with drafting rookies Seattle's record— Without Russell Wilson, bad, you would have had a hard time convincing me they were going to do anything more than that. And boy, was I wrong. I do want to say, though, the Eagles absolutely won the trade deadline. So if you work out of desperation, you're always going to be taken advantage of. Always. And, and, I do love a couple of the things that happened in the trade deadline yesterday. The Dolphins are one of those things that I loved, which I know you're going to say, Brett, you hate Tua. I know I get that, but I do like what the Dolphins did in the trade deadline, but this is why the Eagles won it because the Eagles got exactly what they wanted. So Jordan Davis is going to be out, I think three to six weeks, the high ankle sprain. And Jordan Davis is number one as far as rookie defensive tackles go and rush yards for play. The Eagles, if you're unaware, if you just ignored the Eagles uh, moves at the trade deadline because you assumed, why would they make any of the best team in football? Yeah, they went ahead and picked up Robert Quinn. last year who was an incredible pass rusher from the interior line position. They got him for a fourth round pick. That's pennies on the dollar, y'all. I, I've i never understood why guys would hold on to these uh Never understood why guys would hold on to these draft picks that really don't matter, especially when you're in a win-now position, which is what we're going to talk about the Dolphins here for in a second. But you don't need your 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 fourth and fifth rounders, especially if you can get a, a, uh, an actual commodity, like a known commodity. We know what Robert Quinn is. It's also interesting to see how it affects the the Bears, because the Bears had a lot of moves yesterday, so the Bears traded for Chase Claypool, traded away Robert Quinn, and then traded away uh, Roke Smith. So, so far this season, Robert Quinn only has one sack. Not, not crazy at all. But last year, he had 18 and a half. So, there might be a little kickstart that needs to happen, but he's going to get way less attention on that D-line because you also have guys like Josh Let you have Fletcher Cox. I think they'll be okay. Robert Quinn will, doesn't have to get back to 18 and a half sacks. But if he went 18 and a half sacks the year before, imagine what he can get when he's not the focal point of the defensive line and the protection. The Eagles just continue to win. Just continue to win. Like, I don't know what else they can even go out and get. And they went ahead and got Robert Quinn for pennies on the dollar. Here's why I love the Dolphins, though. I know a lot of you thinking, all you've ever done is trash to a Tungvalu. And that's true. That is all that I've done. When Tyreek Hill first got traded to this team, I thought this was only going to be a marriage made in Madden. Like, I thought the only way this would work isn't that it, where you just bomb deep the tiger Kill because if you don't know he is the fastest player in the game and it's pretty hard to defend him you basically have to play deep coverage all the time, and it's super annoying with kids who play as dolphins but we've seen this pattern work out before there's, there's a couple of guys who have molded what I would call the new NFL I think Tom Brady helped mold it, I think Andy Reid helped mold it, I think Sean McVeigh, probably Patrick Mahomes. And here's what I'm talking about. And we talked about this a little bit with Aaron Rodgers, but it used to be that if you wanted to win a Super Bowl, you had to have a top five quarterback in the league. And the rest of the team had to be B-plus to A-minus, and no one could be hurt. And that was the only way you could win a Super Bowl. And now that's not the case. Now, if you have a B-plus, A-minus team, you can have a, a B-minus quarterback, a B quarterback, and win a Super Bowl. And here's why. It has nothing to do... This is why the Dolphins are in great position. A, hey, I'm always away for trading away draft picks, trading away for guys... Like, to me let's let's stop looking at it as this for that and let's start looking at it like this. Let's assume that every time a draft pick is used in a trade, that, that that that's what they're using in the draft. Like, what if I told you Roquan Smith, who was one of the 15 best players in his draft class, two, three years into the league, into his, his career, you could trade for him for, what was that, a fourth round pick, third round pick? You could draft him for a third-round pick. I think everyone would take that. He's two years in. He has more experience in the league. We actually know he can play. And you're going to use a third-round pick to get him in the third round. I think that's pretty good. Same deal with Robert Quinn. And so that's what I'm saying when Sean McVay helped build the future of the NFL a little bit. And Mike McDaniels is smart enough to see all of it and take all of it into account. The reason the Dolphins are in in great position is because they don't have to pay to anything. He's still in a rookie deal, which that's exactly what you want to hear if you're uh, an NFL franchise, if you're a front office executive, if you're a GM. Because you have so much room to go out and sign other guys for it in pennies on the dollar to what you would have to pay a quarterback now after you win the super bowl it's a little bit harder to convince them to take less money it's a little bit harder to build the team after that but it's it's harder to build the team when you have guys making josh allen money and patrick Mahomes money it's hard because you have to figure out how to get the right guys for the right value without paying them that much because you just don't have the money the dolphins are in a great position because while well, I don't think two is that good of a quarterback, he doesn't have to be that good. Because you already have Melvin Ingram. Now, the the Dolphins have had a tough time getting to the quarterback this season. That is something that you and I can agree on. They went ahead and got Brad the Chubb, which I don't completely understand why you do that if you're the Broncos. I'm not sure what the endgame is over in Denver. I don't think they know what it is. But it's huge if you're Miami. Because the defense is already pretty stout. The secondary is great. Juwan Holland, Xavier Howard on the boys. Baker there, lining up the backfield, or the, the backers. And then you add Bradley Chubb to that. And then you add Jeff Wilson. And you already have Raheem Mostert. And you already have Tyreek Hill. And you already have Mike Isecki. And you already have Jalen Waddle. So here's the thing. The defense was already good enough. They beat the Bills who a lot of people would argue is the best team in football. They beat the Ravens, came back against the Ravens. I don't love Tua, but I also don't think Tua has to be that good. And for as much as I love or hate Tua, in games where Tua starts and finishes the game, Tua's undefeated this season. Take that for what it's worth. And also, you don't have to be that good because the Jets in that division probably going to shoot themselves in the foot. Packers and the Chiefs or the, the Packers and the Bucks who I understand are in the NFC are shooting themselves in the foot. Like the NFL is a little upside down. Forty nineers are have the best defense in football, they're struggling. It's anyone's ball game and you really don't have to be that talented this year to get into the playoffs. It'll be, it'll be interesting how it works out after the fact you really don't have to do too much to get into the playoffs this year. The playoff picture is a little bit wild. If the playoffs ended today, the NFC East would get three teams into the playoffs. The Commanders could run the table and get into the playoffs. Like, that's where we're at with this right now. And Taylor Heineke's balling out. The Matt Saracen of the NFL is balling out right now. So I'm going say it couldn't happen. It is anyone's game to make the playoffs. And especially when the Dolphins are already in. They would get in as a wild card, but they've already beat the Bills. Who are probably going to win the division. But that just is what it is. They're in great position between all the things they're doing. And the fact that they don't have to pay their quarterback. With the amount of moves that they made yesterday, I love it. Because they're saying, look, we understand we don't need these draft picks for the future. Also, let me just, let me me just let me read this off to you, my good friends. So the trade that they made, the Dolphins made with the 49ers, they got the 49ers Trey Lance. This is what the Dolphins got in return. They got Jalen Waddle, they got Tyreek Hill, and they got Bradley Chubb. In terms of the picks that they got from Trey Lance, they were able to use to draft Jalen Waddle. They were able to use to trade for Tyree Kill and to trade for Bradley Chubb. Trey Lance for Waddle Hill and Bradley Chubb, that sounds like a deal that every GM in the league would sign up for. So just understand, you can sell out for the future. You can sell out for your dream. And the Dolphins did that the trade deadline yesterday. Hey, well, that's going to be my time for today. Hopefully all of you enjoy your wonderful Wednesday. Hopefully you enjoy college football coming up on Saturday. And just breathe easy and join in the NFL on Sunday. And we'll be back with you next week. Cheers. Oh!